Thanks for joining us today on the NateHoldridge.com podcast. Hey, today we're talking about Proverbs 18.23 and seeing what it tells us about poverty and wealth. As you'll soon discover, our God is calling us towards a life of stewarding wealth carefully while caring for the poor passionately. So again, hey, thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. All right, Nate, so this article that you wrote was called A Truth About Poverty and Wealth, and this is another article that you wrote from the book of Proverbs. been loving these Proverbs articles, and uh, I was curious, if you could just talk to us about Proverbs 18.23, what does this verse tell us about poverty and wealth? Yeah, so the verse says, very simply, the poor use entreaties but the rich answer roughly. All right, so I entitled this article or this just tiny little post, Yeah, A Truth About Poverty. One. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I did <laughs> not, not the use the truth. word the, like <laughs> this is the last and final word about yeah. poverty. It's just A Truth about, pro- about Poverty and the concept is very simple. Those who are poor need to like, the concept that the proverb that the author of proverbs is using is they have to really like appeal yeah. to others they right. they need to it's not so much beg as it is mm. like i need other people to help me out there are i have to depend upon other people yeah. and i and i have to really in a sense in contrast to the rich i have to be on my best behavior in order to advance. It's mm. almost like I got to do everything exactly right yes. to get where I want to go. Mm. The poor use entreaties. But, he says, the rich answer roughly. In other words, the concept there is those with means can kind of afford to be less than savory. You know, yeah. they can still... They, they can still get where they want to go even when they treat people rudely or they answer roughly. So it's just a real simple concept. You know, the yeah. idea is that riches enable someone to treat other people roughly and those who are in poverty are forced to plead for mercy because a lot of times they're at the mercy of other people. So this is not, this is kind of one of those, there's a lot of Proverbs where all that's happening is that the author, usually Solomon, is making an observation about humanity. Yeah. And in making the observation, he's not giving a teaching. Hmm. It's up to the reader to think about how this should inform their behavior. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that he's saying, hey, if you're rich, get on it answer roughly like just do it Mm. be a punk no that's not what he's saying and he's and he's not saying it's right that poor people would have to if someone's in poverty that they would have to always just be walking this perfect line to be able to get anywhere that's not what he's saying he's just saying that seems to be a general reality that's out there so Mm. 
you know, what I wanted to do in the article was just kind of like I like to do with a lot of the Proverbs is yeah. think about, okay, we're on the other side of the cross now. So if this is, right. if that's true, then what does the gospel do to me Absolutely. as I think about that reality mm -hmm. and about that truth? I mean, yeah. I'm not even looking at the article right now, but one of the things that I would think that we would come up with is, well, the gospel helps me understand that who we are is not what we possess. So mm, that's good. All people are created in the image of God. And so whether a person has means or has a has no means, whether a person is advantaged and privileged or whether they're disadvantaged and out of privilege, uh, our love should be the same. Yeah. You know, and so that might be one takeaway that we could have That's is that, or we might be able to come to the conclusion if I am in the rich category, which, you know, frankly, a lot of us in the United States right. in or in the Western world, we are in that yeah. category in comparison with the rest of the planet. Right. If we're in that category, then, okay, if the tendency is to answer roughly and to kind of be just a a little like kind of to use that position to be a little maybe I don't know if ob obnoxious is probably too strong of a word but I mean yeah. for some people it's clear clearly isn't if you've yeah. been around for a while but you know obnoxious or rude or uh, inconsiderate of other people yeah if that's what means or you know a healthy paycheck or mm. you know wealth if that's what it does to me, then I need to do some things to correct that. I need mm, to become more generous. I need to repent of that sin. I need to ask the Lord to forgive me. I need to reach out a little bit more. I need to be shaped. Yeah. I need to be changed. So I think there's a lot of different ways that this would apply to us in our era, but it's just an interesting truth, oh, a yeah. truth about poverty. You know, Absolutely. people who are in, in poverty, they there is this sense that they have to use entreaties plead for mercy, appeal to other people, whereas those who have means are able to be a little rougher around the edges and don't need to lean upon other people as much. Right. You have three main points in this article, Nate. The first one was that you talk about how the gospel provides us a way to be guarded regarding any wealth that we actually may possess. So I just want to ask you, what do you think we um, should be guarded against when it does come to wealth? Well, I mean, in, in the little paragraph that I wrote there, it just said we don't want to use it as an excuse to be condescending or abusive. We want to walk with humility yeah. and grace towards other people. So I guess one thing that we're guarding against is making sure that um, because we feel secure and we might not have this perception in our hearts that we need other people mm -hmm. to provide for us or to help us out that we should make sure that that doesn't lead to an arrogance where we think to ourselves I can be condescending to someone who doesn't have as much as I have mm. or abusive to someone who doesn't have what I have to think of ourselves as self-made mm. you know that uh, well I am where I am because of me yeah. rather than being grateful to the Lord 
thankful to the Lord, thankful for the position that he's placed us in and the minds that he's given us and the opportunities that we've been given rather than having humility. Uh, we have to be guarded against this like pride, you know, like, well, I did this for myself, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that could easily turn into a pride that says I did this for myself. Why don't you do that for yourself? You know, why don't you, uh, fix your life? Like I've fixed my life, you know, and a lot of times it's not that easy. Um, so we have to watch out for that. I mean, clearly one of the big ones in the new Testament that, those with means have to watch out for is the trust in riches, a trusting in the uncertainty of riches, you know, leaning upon me. And it's actually one of the things that Paul told pastor Timothy in first Timothy six to, to exhort wealthy people in this present age about don't trust in your uncertain riches. Uh, because you just never know, you know, where, where they're going to go, what they're going to do, what the economy's going to do. Don't trust yeah. in, in that. Even if you have enough income saved up for a thousand lifetimes, you need to trust in the living God. I mean, yeah. there are certain things that money just cannot purchase, that, that it cannot right. provide for you. So you've got to trust in the Lord. Live your life, mm. you know, for him. So we have to make sure that we're not leaning upon riches i mean how many times have we seen people i mean this happens quite constantly in the body of christ where it's a financial calamity that drives a person Mm. to actually pursue the lord and a lot of times what that's an evidence of is a lack of pursuit of the lord or for uh, a lack of pursuing the lord when they had means and so you want to be in a place in your life where you say i i'm not going to use wealth as an excuse to be prideful as an excuse to think uh, more highly of myself than i ought to think i want to have that wealth with humility yeah and honestly you know people like this uh are such attract they're such attractive people Mm -hmm. um you know because I'm sure that there are plenty of people on earth who would think of me living here on the central coast of California, Mm -hmm. uh, as a wealthy person, but I don't think of myself that way. You know, just looking around at the community that we live in, it's easy for me to point out a lot of other people that I think those are wealthy people. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm firmly entrenched in the middle class, you know? (laughs) Um, so for people that have fit that category in my mind, at least, and I'm not saying that's the right definition, but people who I've looked at and I've thought, those are wealthy people. Yeah. But they also carry themselves with humility mm-hmm. and they treat other people well yeah. with respect. It's so beautiful. It's, it's just yeah. really beautiful. That Christ likeness is just so kind and wonderful. Mm. So, you know, when you see that done in a Christian's life, you know, a believer who is wealthy, who is also allowed the Lord to shape their character to where they are very kind and and not just generous. That's not the only thing that a wealthy person, you know, should do in response to the Lord is become generous, Mm -hmm. but, but they're generous, but they're also merciful and tender and respectful. And they want to help elevate people and they're, you know, kind to others. They don't only relate to people that are in their same uh, financial class. You know, they're able to, you know, speak with other people and, you know, things like that. That's just a beautiful thing you know to 
that when someone can can look past just the wealth that they possess, uh, that's beautiful. So I think that's one of the first things. Did you ask me about the first thing? I did, that, yeah. Okay. And I was going to go into the second thing, which you talk about as having compassion for the poor. The gospel compels us to have a compassion for the poor. So I just wanted to ask you, how should this compassion be acted out by a Christian? Yeah, I mean, I when you told me that you wanted to do this article, I said, man, I really don't feel hyper qualified hmm. to talk about this particular subject because my mind just immediately goes to a lot of different people within our own fellowship who have really given their lives for... Uh, to basically, I mean, in a sense, in a battle against poverty, yeah, you know, and absolutely. are reaching out into people's lives, uh, sometimes through ministries, sometimes through, um, you know, official ministries, you know, yeah. that carry the Christian, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mission statement and all of that. And then sometimes yeah. just as believers who are doing ministry, but through secular means, you know, whether it's through education or, uh, governmental agencies or systems or you know yeah. uh, non-profit organizations or just their own individual humanitarian efforts uh, i feel like there's just so many other people in the church who are better qualified than i am to talk about how to mm. actually tackle yeah. this um, but the way i put it in my article was that a truth like this from proverbs eighteen twenty three. At the very least, it should give us a compassion for all who are in poverty. So there will be times that that compassion leads to some specific form of action, right? Right, You know, where uh, maybe, for instance, it could be something as minor as a, a family in the body of Christ saying, you know, hey, the Lord has provided for us. We have a roof over our heads. We have resources we're going to become a respite family to be able to offer temporary temporary housing and lodging and care and love Mm -hmm. for a child that has found themselves in the foster system in our community you know that could be an evidence or an or an example of what started with compassion leading to some form of action you know that okay i'm going to take that step but i was just kind of saying it before the action uh, as a, there should be this thing to where we, we, as we look at this truth, we say, that's, that's not right. Yeah. Right. That's disappointing. That's Mm. hard. That's painful. That's difficult, you know? And like I said, you know, I'm firmly entrenched in the middle class, you know, I've grown up, grew up in Pacific Grove, California, live in Monterey, California. But when I confront a truth like this, it really does kind of help me just go, mm. all right, uh, what action comes out of this? We'll see, you know, as yeah. the years unfold. But the mood or the feeling or the reaction to when, whether it's through media or just through being out and about in our community mm. or interacting with people inside the body of Christ, inside of our own fellowship. When I'm confronted with poverty, uh, there should be like a sense, not a, not of pity, right? Totally. That is condescending, mm-hmm. not that, but of just compassion. Of that would be difficult to yeah. to navigate those waters. That's what Solomon is pointing Amen, out. Man. The poor ha- are forced 
to need other people to show them mercy from time to time. Mm. That would be a difficult spot to be in. I mean, in a sense, we would do this for anybody, you know, in the body yeah. of Christ. You know, you could even look at someone who is wealthy and say, that's a that's a heavy burden to mm-hmm. bear. Now, I don't think any of us are saying to ourselves, that's the heavier burden yeah. to bear, but it's a responsibility nonetheless, you right. know? And so to think about and to have a, a heightened compassion in our view of those who are less fortunate, I think that's a, that's a good kind of attitude to, to have and to allow to have cultivated in our mm-hmm. hearts. I think a lot of times the first move for some people is to uh, perhaps see the versions of poverty that are sometimes a direct result of someone's actions. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you chose that lifestyle that got you into trouble and has led to a form of poverty. Yeah. And that might be true for some people, but the reality is a lot of folks here on earth are just born into poverty. Right. And it's not something that they made any kind of conscious decision to try to, you know, with their lives that led into it. It's just what they're in. It's all they know. It's the world that they're, you know, swimming in. And to have compassion for that, I think, is... um, like Christ. Yeah. It's like Amen. Christ, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, look, the reality is I'm not a politician. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to be a politician, and I'm thankful for the governing authorities. They mm-hmm. have to make their rules, they have to do their things, you know, and people can vote however they want to vote, you know, for those issues and different things. But as a Christian, you know, when I see somebody who's driven out of their homeland, mm-hmm because of persecution. I mean, as a citizen, there might be one way that that someone might feel, but as a Christian, I'm compassionate about that. Yeah. You know, that's that's sad. That's horrible. That's I think Jesus would desire his people to have a compassion, mm. you know, about that. Yeah. So again, you know, that doesn't replace the what the governing authorities need to do and the decisions that they need to make for the people that they're leading and all that kind of stuff. But as a believer, I think that we should see the unfortunate situation that some people find themselves in and there should be a compassion about that. Amen. Wow. Hey, you conclude the article by um, suggesting that the gospel helps us gain a vision for what the spirit is trying to do in our hearts and lives. I thought we could just close out this conversation by having you answer this question. What is the Spirit trying to do within the hearts of people who experience poverty and wealth? Mm. Well, I'm sure a million things. Yeah, right. And it's very individualized for each Mm -hmm. person. But the way I put it here was, he wants the poor to have confidence, a trust, and a Heavenly Father who sees them. He wants the wealthy to have a softness a trust in the heavenly father who is their true provider. Right. So just kind of thinking about it there, you know, maybe I'll just do a couple stories, you know, from the Bible. One would be Hagar in the old Testament. She was a woman who really got thrown into an unfortunate situation. You know, she, she had a child with Abraham. It was, Abraham's wife's idea, Sarah's idea to try to raise an heir for Abraham. And so she did. She 
had a son named Ishmael, and she came under the contempt of Sarah for years because of that. And and it culminated a couple times in being driven away from the home, once when she was pregnant, and then once when Ishmael was 13 or 14 years old, and Isaac had finally been born. And she was driven out into the wilderness. But what she found there both times was the Lord. Hmm. And the Lord spoke to her, I am the God who sees. I am the God who sees. I see what you're going through. I'm watching your life. I've seen the injustice that you've had to pass through. And I think that she stands as a great example of maybe a thing that the spirit is trying to do and someone who is impoverished and his child is to, to see the Lord sees me, the Lord's watching, the Lord knows the Lord's going to stand with me. And then for those who are wealthy, you know, to have that softness or a trust mm. in a heavenly father who is their uh, true provider. I think maybe a good, example or a good character would be to think about in the new testament era uh the um centurion named cornelius Mm -hmm. you know he had means he had a lot of people who were working within his household a lot of people that he was caring for but rather than you know be a, a a hard man hardened with in battle and you know military you know endeavors for rome uh and becoming part of this machine he had this softness to the lord to the gospel to other people and the lord used his life in a really powerful way so to cultivate i think that i think what the spirit would, would want to do with someone who is and does have means is he wants to continue to make you into a soft person who knows where their true provision comes from. Thanks for joining us today in this conversation. For more articles and resources from Pastor Nate, please go to nateholdridge.com and search the archives. All of his articles are there. And while you're online, please share an episode of this podcast with a friend. We would love to see this podcast get into as many hands and ears as possible. And as always, tune in next week for a brand new episode from this show. But until then, God bless you guys. We'll see you soon.